This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Hey everybody, this is episode 38. I'm Kenyon Clark here with Jeff Fry and Scott Clark. Nate's not with us tonight. He had some church stuff going on and then he is going to be one way or the other bringing his baby into the world in the next couple of days. Uh, there's going. usually only two ways. <laughs> well, they're, they're, it's either going to be in the next two days. Oh. <laughs> it's either going to be tomorrow or the day after. So he might be out for next week too. We'll have to see. It'll depend on the old lady, I'm sure. But anyway, we got the three of us in here tonight. Probably be a pretty or a little bit shorter episode. We got meetings going on and properties to look at, and stuff like that. So apologize for not having one out last week and whatever other weeks we've missed. It's been kind of busy and hard to get them done this time of year. But as we move on into July, hopefully we'll get back on a regular schedule or at least somewhat regular compared to this. I do have... Well, I'm going to go to your place, Jeff, and shoot a video, hopefully tomorrow, maybe, and then do an update on your property, or on the food plot out there, and add to it what you did from a while back, and then talk about what we did. I was wanting to get that done before the results of our spraying had, I mean, you could see those, but I think it's to be good enough where you can see. You can but, still see what was going on before yeah. we sprayed it. I mean, the evidence is still there. Right. Now, so, yeah. So, I'll do that, and that'll be coming up as well. I don't know if that'll be up before this podcast or not, or after, but somewhere around there, hopefully it'll be up. But tonight, I did. I want to start with an article by Steve Shirk, who, you, if you guys listen to this, you know we've had him on a couple times and covered multiple of his articles. But this one is called Mock's Great Masterclass. And we're not going to dive too deep into it, but there are a few paragraphs I want to read and then we can talk about it a little bit because we do a lot of mock scrape stuff. Uh, obviously with the scents and that that we have, we like using those for the mock scrapes and running them generally on a consultation. If we go to a guy's property and he's got a timber set of any kind, if there's a trail close to it, I almost always recommend some kind of mock scrape. Just giving them a place to stop naturally or a reason to come by the stand. But anyway, we'll get into the article here. And Steve starts, he says, Many of today's deer hunters have learned that one of the best ways to condition and create patterns for bucks in your hunting area is by creating mock scrapes. However, one of the main reasons hunters fall at make, fail at making successful mock scrapes is they don't give them enough time to get established. My best mock scrapes have been made months prior to the hunting season. I'm not just creating scrapes for inventory, but I'm trying to condition bucks to come to these locations in hunting season. And that's really not only just the stopping thing, but that's one of the biggest reasons that we'll recommend mock scrapes a lot of times is because it does condition the bucks to come to a certain place. And if they, like he said, doing it early enough, let them find it now, you know, in the next month or two, and then maybe they don't come back to it right away, but then they come back to it again a couple weeks later and find it, and now they're going to start maybe coming back and checking that thing more often. And we've seen that on your but, property, on a property there, some uh, up north of town. Uh, it's a, if you can get them going early enough, like what he's saying, you know, you'll see it, the benefit of it in hunting season. Well, not only that, I mean, <clears throat> it makes sense because, you know, you find natural scrapes 
just like at the property I hunt south of town. Mm-hmm. You find natural scrapes. <laughs> them deer come to them natural scrapes every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they're conditioned to do. The bucks come to them natural scrapes, freshen them up, and move on. You know, so it makes sense. If you can't put a stand, you know, on an old natural scrape, mm-hmm. you know, and whatnot, well, then make you a mock scrape. Even make it now, this time of year here yeah. in June. Yep. You know, get something going, get something started, and get them conditioned to come to that place. You know, they're not coming in there checking for does. They're, right now, they're just going to come in there and see what bucks is around and go mm-hmm. on. So, yeah, it makes sense to start out early. Um, we got to put a stand up here pretty soon because mm-hmm. deer season here is only three months away and we ain't done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right, not you know? there. So, we got. We got to get busy, you know, but, you know, that's one of the things that I plan on doing is uh, creating a mock scrape there mm-hmm. close to that stand. And, you know, every so couple of weeks go freshen it up until the bucks find it and mm-hmm. they start using it and kind of get them to where they have a reason to come by me. Exactly. You know? yep. no, no more of a doe herd than what I've got where I'm at down there. You know, it's uh, you got to give them a reason to come up there. Mm-hmm. and you know if nothing else for them to see what other bucks is in their territory and move on so right I'll, i do like to and he kind of mentioned there not only for inventory i do think in your case especially since you haven't been there before since you don't have two or three years of inventory saying okay this buck's back or whatever you got it's never too late to start and yeah. i think that's a good a good way to start your early inventory. Right. I mean, it's a good place to start your early inventory. I'll put mm-hmm. it that way. Yeah, and you're not going to hurt anything by doing but, it. No. No. You know. I mean, they'll either come there or they won't. You know, so you got a 50-50 shot, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if they don't, you know, you know, maybe you're not in the right spot or something. Maybe right. you need to move it, which yep. is what, you know, we'll get into a little bit. I want to read these last three paragraphs and we'll talk about it some more. He says, in my experience, attraction and location are the two most important factors for creating mock scrapes that lead to filling tags. You have to know your hunting area extremely well to have success with mock scrapes. The better you know the deer use and how the deer use an area, the greater chances your scrapes will become kill sites. Secondly, attraction is a must. You want your scrapes to look normal, natural, excuse me, but your scrapes should be the most attractive scrapes in the area. Some of the best natural scrapes I've ever located were simply established under the most perfect trees that almost seemed too natural to serve as a scrape site. Excuse me. The most perfect trees that almost seemed to naturally serve as a scrape site. When I picture the perfect scrape, I visualize an umbrella. The roof of the umbrella would be the good wide canopy of overhanging limbs above the scrape, preferably five to seven feet above the ground. Then the umbrella handle is the licking branch. The licking branch is what matters most, though. That is your hook and bait for luring luring deer in. So, like we was just getting ready to get into location, and he says attraction, and we'll get into that in a second. But location is a, a huge part of it because, like we tell guys all the time, you can get a deer to move from this trail or this spot, maybe 50 yards that way. You can't get them to move 300 yards that way just because you put up a mock scrape. It has to be in the right spot where they're going to find it by themselves, and then you can start getting them to use pattern to use that more normally. But <clears throat> whether it's on a trail that you're already hunting to get the bucks to kind of use it, whether it's uh, on a 
close to a trail where you want them to come by a little closer to you. Those are kind of some of the best places I've found, just near natural travel corridors or even around food. But she talks about community scrapes in there, and a lot of times you'll find community scrapes around the best food source in the area because that's where a lot of deer are coming in and out of anyway. So they're coming in to eat, then they go check the scrape, and that's how they do some communication and stuff. So that's another good place uh, as far as location goes. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Well, like, <clears throat> like where I'm going to be hunting at. You know, I got that transition zone. I got the pine trees, and then I got, was it, 20 yard wide? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. grass strip, and then it goes into hardwoods. And they've got a trail running from one to the other. We've got a perfect tree picked out for any kind of northerly wind that you want, mm -hmm. you know, that you can have, you know, to put a stand in. So, you know, it makes sense that especially with the pine trees and them pine boughs hanging down, you know, put a scrape underneath one of them mm -hmm. right there, you know, maybe 20, 30 yards from that trail, 20 yards from the tree stand. Mm -hmm. Keep it doctored up, keep them interested and let them find it. You know, they'll find it there versus just putting it out willy-nilly out in the middle of a of yeah. that hardwood somewhere. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, one good thing there, 20 yards from the tree stand, put them close enough you can shoot them. Yeah. The bucks will use them in the daytime while you're there. Last thing you want to do is put a scrape out 50 yards from your stand and then, or 60, and then bucks start skirting you to go hit that scrape you made and you can't ever get a shot at right. them because they're going to your scrape. So yep. put them within bow range or gun range, whatever you're hunting. Or if on, on the other side of that, if there is not a good place for a mock scrape, maybe you move your stand. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if what you're talking about, you got the kind of perfect scenario where you can put that there and and not move your stand but again you you can you're not going to lure a deer 100 yards off a trail just because that's where your stand's at or they're just because that's right. where you think you want to put your stand you might have to change your way of thinking yeah yeah know. because generally the same places that are going to be good for mock scrapes are going to be where you want your stands anyway because like like you said if if there's not a good place to put a mock scrape by your stand it's probably not a good place to be hunting because a good place to put mock scrape is where deer want to move naturally or at least close to it. So, but even behind the house, you know, we uh, what was it that we did last year? We uh, <laughs> all we did was tie a six foot branch mm -hmm. onto a seven foot rope mm -hmm. and threw it up over a tree limb where it's hanging down, you know, eye level, eye level, yeah, put a little of the Ridge Hunter uh, buck tarsal spray on there. Mm -hmm. And they started using it, mm -hmm. you know, but it was along a trail that they was already accustomed to using. Right. And it was within range of the stand, you know, but it was a, it was a place where we could get them to stop. Good stopping place. A good stopping place yeah. where he'd get a good shot at them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what you were just saying, the way we did that. He talks a little bit about that. You can use a natural hanging branch if you've got a good one. Just make your scrape underneath of it. Uh, you don't necessarily have to use scent. I just think it gives a little bit of a jump start. Right. Um, another thing a lot of guys do is they'll take a, you know, like an inch rope, inch in diameter rope or something, a pretty good size rope, and they'll just throw it up, tie it around, and let the rope be as a licking branch. And then, like what I like to do, what we did there, what you're talking about, is tie a rope to whether it be just a nice branch that's going to hang down and look natural or a grapevine kind of thing, tie it off throw the rope up over the tree limb that's hanging over where you want it, right at eye level to where the deer are going to see it, 
and make your scrape underneath of that. Yep. But the biggest key to that is making sure it's high level because the number one attraction for them is going to be the licking branch. Because right. they may not always paw the ground and work the dirt, but they're going to come sniff that licking branch and put their scent on there and figure out what's been going and on. And we got video of that yeah. at my place. Whether they've been pissing in the scrape or not or pawing the ground. Even, they're the, still doe, gonna, even yeah. the does was using it. Yeah, they're still, all the deer will come and check that thing, yep. uh, especially if it's at eye level where they're walking anyway. It's going to get their attention and they're going to go start well, to smell it. you know, when it hits them in the head, you know. Exactly. <laughs> And that's hey, what you want. Yep. <laughs> what the hell was that? Uh-huh. And then, like you said, if you go and keep that thing fresh, <clears throat> if it's a new one you're making, eventually the deer will find it, and then they'll keep it fresh themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you're, I mean, your work's done there. They'll start to make it more of a natural scrape right. for them. So there's a couple things there as far as location and then the attraction. Like he said, the other biggest thing would be in the attraction. Uh, that has a lot to do with the way you do it. Like we just said, any of those three ways I think works. <clears throat> and then making sure whether it is you just do it and let them come start it themselves or you put some sin in it, I think that can make a difference too. Uh, I mean, either way it works. I just think, like I said, give yourself a little bit of a jump start if they have something to smell, mm-hmm. a reason to come check it out. But that's really all I wanted to cover on the mock scrapes. we got a couple other things we want to talk about. Um, being one of them you just mentioned, now's a good time of year to start thinking about putting some stands up because like you said we're only three months away from the season a little over three months away from the season uh, in missouri we're less than three months away from the season because they start september 15th so whether you're like in your case putting up a new stand or you've taken your old your other stands down and you're just going to put them back up in the same tree or like in my case since i didn't get mine taken down it's a good time of year to go check your straps and make sure everything's still good make sure it's if it's grown into the tree, you pull that thing out yeah, and reset it. Probably need to replace uh, your straps. Yeah, I got you know I'm gonna go through all my stands and check them and what needs replaced, replace it, uh, yep. and then go from there. But whether it's doing that or adding new ones, now's a good time of year to be doing that, like you were talking about. Yeah, uh, you know <clears throat> we've got to get down there. I, I hate going out this time of year. I kicked myself in the ass for not doing it back. You know when it was still cold and the ticks wasn't out because. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, these seed ticks are vicious around here, boys. <laughs> you yeah. know, I guess I'm allergic to them or something, but, man, it's worse than a red wasp thing. But, you know, you just got to spray down, bite the bullet, and get out there, and we got to get some stands put up for me because, mm-hmm. you know, if we don't do it soon, well, then next thing you know, hunting season will be here, and I'll be sitting on the ground again wishing, you know, I had mm-hmm. stands up in the trees. Mm-hmm. But uh, we get... We got one in particular that I absolutely want to get put up. I think it'll be a good spot. The mock scrape will be upwind from me, and the trail will be upwind from me. I, you know, I can walk in there, be up in the stand deer, near, never even know that I'm there. Mm-hmm. So we got to get that put up and let them get used to it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing, as you can <clears> see. Right now, you can see what's going to be in your way, so you can get cut right. out of the way, and then the deer are going to be used to it. Especially right. if you have to disturb a little uh, bit more than you thought, you're going to give I the deer time to use it. I think it. that's going to matter in that when you're talking about oh, yeah. that, that transition, we're going to have to do we're going to have to do some serious trimming in a place or two, which is uh, going to call for disturbing probably more than what you'd want to say october yeah so well. i think get that out of the way early and like you say get, like can you know get that used to that and we're gonna put that in a pine tree you know and we gotta cut some limbs and right they're gonna notice that yeah and that's one thing if 
and like we'll, well do. Well, we're gonna have scent everywhere off the needle. Oh, I mean, our yeah. off the brush. You can't help but brush those needles, and there's a tons of them. So yep. you're leaving scent everywhere. Get your get your trails out of the way that you want to cut. If there's any besides hanging the stand, right. So yeah, they're, they're, we're gonna we're gonna throw a lot of scent around. I'm afraid. Yep. When you're hanging in a pine tree too, like what we're gonna do for you, you can get up there and think, well, I'll just cut this limb here. You cut one limb off too far back, and you've opened up. I mean, you can oh really God, open those yeah. up. So, so you got to be careful about. You've exposed yourself. I mean, they got really good cover if you're smart about it. Yep. But if you're not, man, you can lose you can be everything. Sitting out there like a sore, uh-huh. you know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just drawing nothing but attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful when you're doing that. And some of the other trees are the same way. If it's a bigger tree with, you know, bigger limbs on it, but. Yeah. Go in, and that's another thing, too. You'll be able to see how much cover you actually have with the leaves on and then how many branches are there, what's going to still be there with the leaves off. You Which is one thing I'll on have that. to my advantage uh, this year. Uh, we shouldn't have to trim a whole lot because I'll be using my crossbow versus a, you know, a regular compound bow. Right. I don't have all that extra motion that I have to make clearance you know, with my bow and stuff. And so... With the crossbow, you know, I don't have, I don't have to have all that extra room and clearance, you know, to avoid branches and Mm -hmm. everything. So we can keep the trimming to a minimal. Right, right. And I think that'll work out to our advantage a lot. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, uh, you know, moving on from the stand thing and then they're like at that place, which part of this we're not going to do, but starting to think about your locations for your fall food plots uh you still thinking about trying to do some broadcasting out there just some throw and grow type stuff we need to go look at it mm-hmm. uh first you know got some roundup still carried over from where we sprayed at our place mm-hmm. or at my place you know we could possibly spray that whatever we got by hand sprayer and then mm-hmm. do some throw and grow from what I have seen in the last week, I would really like to put some of that Rax supplement down there. Mm-hmm. Because we throw that out at my house, and within a week the deer have found it, and they're starting to use it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would really be, you know, when we go hang the stand, let's throw take a bag of that with us, make us a supplement spot. And I really think that'll be a big game changer right there mm-hmm. versus, you know, some of the throw. I'm not saying the throw and grow won't help, but our, you know, just a week that we've had that the rack supplement at my house and the deer have found it and they're using it, mm-hmm. using it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with it. And so I want to try it out down there too. Yep. And that's another thing when we're doing that, you know, if you're putting out the supplements and stuff. We found a trail that was close to the food plot that we're not going to be hunting over, so it's all legal. And they're on the, they're already using that trail, so we put it down there, basically right in front of them, where they got to walk over it or around it or beside it to get through there. So and they that come stuff's in and, got smell to it. Oh I mean, yeah, I can even yeah. smell it. I went and hung camera up over it today, and mm-hmm. just walking by it, you know, I could smell the. I don't know, just had kind of a sweet yeah. aroma to it, you yeah. know. And that's why we that, talked that about was, uh, after we left. Is that what <laughs> that's it was? What it was. <laughs> I didn't know your scent lingered that long, but yeah. obviously it does. I guess so. <laughs> uh, and that's what we talk about, too, with the benefit of 
a mineral or a supplement over just a basic attractant is that stuff has a lot of attraction to it also and you're getting all the benefit so like you said the deer if you can smell it you know the deer can smell it from a lot farther away yeah so they're going to come in there and check that out and then like you said they've already been using it so yeah and i didn't see no coon tracks i didn't see no signs of squirrels Mm -hmm. all i seen in there in the spot that we made was nothing but deer tracks and i've got a a block out at the cabin i put one of the protein blocks out so i'm curious to see what it looks like now and i'm going to put a camera up on it hopefully sometime within the next week and just kind of get an idea of what's coming and hitting that and then once i decide for sure what i'm going to do with food plots there this year i'm going to put out the supplement and do the same thing like what we've got going on at your place yeah. so and if you guys stay tuned to the towards the end of the podcast we'll tell you how you can get a discount on some of that supplement and then check it out for yourself and I'd re- personally, I think I'd rather lean more towards the supplement because at that location, mm-hmm. because I'm hunting, I mean, a rock's throw from state ground. Right. Yeah. You know, public state ground. Yep. And, you know, people are more likely to see a cleared out area with throw and grow or whatever in it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's on private ground, they're not supposed to be on, you know. Right. But they're more no, it's hard to tell. You can't read every sign. <laughs> well, no, and that purple paint don't. Yeah, no, it's no. not to some people. Right? And the mulberries, yeah. <laughs> bird crap, po- yeah. poke berries. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, <laughs> not that that would ever happen. No, but, but it you is know, aggravating, isn't it? Yes, it is. And so you know, I think it would be less likely attractant to uh, say the general hunting public that's going to hunt within yeah. you know 50 yards of me they're mm-hmm. not going to see that right place a supplement like they would uh clear it out food mm-hmm. plot and so i'm kind of leaning more towards that just kind of getting the supplement lick mm-hmm. started and you know of course can't hunt over it but right we can put it on the trail where they're at least getting some benefit out of it, right. you know, and at least stab, establish a pattern of use with your mock scrapes and stuff. So yeah. you have that benefit. I think they're where we put that out. Yeah. Was it last week? That's, that's, that can't do nothing but help your herd. I mean, it's they're mm-hmm. mostly dogs, but you know, healthy dogs make for healthy yeah. bucks. And we, you know, well, you found a baby fawn, maybe a day or two old laying in, yeah. food plot there in the woods you know yep and uh laying in the clover yeah and so you know he's gonna get advantage out of that whether it's a buck yeah. or a doe fawn i don't we don't know but right you know that animal there is going it's going to give them a head start too because mm-hmm. it helps the lactation from the mother and then they're going to get all those benefits from that right you know? and then once they are old enough to start using it they're going to use it mm-hmm. and help their growth and all that so yeah there's definitely not a lot of downside in my mind no. to that kind of stuff. I think it, uh, like your mock scrape, you can use it for inventory this time of year, but there's no health benefit. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. you're t- if you put a supplement out like we did, something like that, you can still use it for an inventory and you're getting some health benefit. The deer are getting some health benefits from it as well. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think the supplements, like what, what Rax offers, is a lot better than just these guys that go out and buy a cattle salt block and mm-hmm. throw out. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Well, and there's, you're talking about two different places, too, because wherever you're putting your supplement, obviously you don't want your deer stand. Right. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be unethical. But, no. But, yeah, come on now. 
Seriously, you could you, you could do your mock scrape. <laughs> Good thing we ain't got video on that. Yeah. <laughs> you could do your mock scrape, and there's nothing wrong with hunting over that. Right. No. Or hunting, you know, red. Whereas you don't want to put your mineral stuff on the ground, throw it out there. No, you don't want to do that. Cause yeah. That's not the right thing to do, according to, uh, yeah, yeah, well, INR. Yeah. So. I've not. I've never. I've never hunted over a supplement or anything like that personally. I, I have not. I haven't either. Uh, and I don't. There's no reason to. There's no need to. No. You follow the law. You do what you're supposed to do. And yeah. I mean, we can make gest- hand gestures and whatever you want to do. But <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line is, you know, ethically, you shouldn't do it. Don't do it. And you don't right. have to. Right. Yeah. You know. I mean, and each state's different. You know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we're not allowed to use. Uh, Feeder, you know, hunt over any kind feeders, of bait pile or bait feeders, pile yeah. or a corner attraction, you know. But you go across state line, Missouri, Missouri Kentucky. Missouri, I'm not sure Kentucky. about Indiana. I assume they could probably do it. But. I don't know. Uh, Oklahoma does, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, as whatever state you're in, you have to abide by the regulations, you right? Know, whether you agree with them or not, mm-hmm. and you know, like here in Illinois, a lot of people are like, "Well, the food plots just bait." bait too well yes technically they kind of are mm-hmm. but at the same time illinois doesn't recognize them as bait and mm-hmm. so it's legal to hunt over them and but it's not <laughs> right not legal <laughs> you know to hunt over supplement piles or uh-huh. salt corn lakes pile, or yeah. corn piles or anything like that so yep and then in my mind the not that i have any problem with guys hunting over big piles where it's legal i don't you're talking about but nope. the f- if I'm going to spend the money to keep up a bait pile or anything like that, I'm going to put it into a food plot where they're receiving some nutritional benefit as well. Right. And then it's a, it's a lot more natural <laughs> for them, obviously. Not as likely to spread disease if you do have some of that going on. Yeah. But like I said, where it's legal, fine. But there's, there's no nutritional benefit to a corn pile. Now, if you no. have a, a corn field that you've planted as a... <coughs> As a food plot, you know, they're going to get, there's enough there to have some nutritional benefit as far as energy goes, basically. Right. Uh, but a good food plot's going to provide a lot more for them than just an attraction for you yeah. to hunt them. So, speaking of that. And I don't make the laws, I just try to right, follow them. Right, uh, And we talked about it a little bit. We, we've done some spraying. Now it's kind of the time of year to do that, especially on your clover plots with the grasses coming up. Uh, we sprayed some Roundup on the beans and corn, and obviously that depends on when you plant them, but a lot of guys around here, especially planted them about the same time we did because that's mm-hmm. when it dried up finally. Yeah. So we were talking about getting into the time of spraying those. Uh, mowing just kind of depends on the situation, uh, but we're at the time of year for, especially, you know, we're getting into spraying and mowing season, so... If you've got your food plots, make sure you're keeping up with them. This is a maintenance time of year, like what we've done. Um, and the other thing is, at another client property, we're going to do some fall plots. But because they're new plots, we're going to put some buckwheat in them for the summer, get some organic material in the ground, keep the weeds from growing up this summer, and then we're going to plant straight into those. And we're in the time of year to plant that stuff as well. Uh, also some annual grasses we're going to put there for screening like what we did at your place we kind of hit the beginning of that window at your place we're getting towards the end of the window to plant that stuff now so if you're wanting to do any of that stuff check your calendars because you know it's the middle of june 
Boy, uh, that screening stuff with that barricade we mm-hmm. put down is Boy, took off it like take a, off in the last week. We, we got that in terrain and it shot up a foot. We I were mean, just out there last week, right? Yeah. And the weeds were pretty thick, and then Canyon went and sprayed them, and that thing looks good. And then, and then the barricade. Mm-hmm. Man, holy crap! Yeah, I mean it's almost knee high now. It looks good. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I want to kind of the next thing I want to talk about. You know, uh, like I said, I'll have a video on it. But what we did at your on the I don't want to call it a test plot, but on the fry plot down there that we're kind of using to show you guys what to expect, I guess, and what works and what doesn't, and you know what you can do even on a smaller area. So that plot. Like I just said, we did do some spraying, like you mentioned. Sprayed the clover. We sprayed it with cleth uh, to kill the grass out of there because we didn't add any 2,4-D at the time because most, really most of what's growing out there is grass from before because it was a switchgrass field. It ain't growing now. Uh, we, <laughs> Boy, it burned up yeah, today. Yeah. So You can see it. We sprayed that on there, and then we planted Roundup Ready beans and corn, so we just sprayed straight Roundup on those. Uh, Gosh, that took what five, six days, and they look. Not, yeah. I mean, they look good now. Yeah, it, that, that's uh, got rid of all bad. the grass and weeds in there, um, and then probably do some mowing maybe in the fall or something, or here sometime in the spring before. I'd it say rain, in the next couple of weeks, if we can uh, catch it before rain. Yeah, we uh, yeah. went out there and looked at it tonight, and like I said, you know, we got over a hundred degree heat index the last couple of days, and what we sprayed with cliff. Mm-hmm. boy that grass is it's done i mean yeah it's done yep but you know we got some i got some rag weeds and some button weeds and stuff coming up mm-hmm. and you know that's no big deal i'll give them another two weeks and then we'll just take the tractor and bush hog out there chop that down you know knock the tops off of them and mm-hmm. you'll be all right and then uh this fall uh if i can catch it watch the radar and i'm off work and catch a storm coming in and go out and uh throw some seed down mm-hmm. and then uh frost seed it again early spring mm-hmm. well i think we'll we'll have that all taken care of yeah it'll look pretty good next spring i think yeah. and then but that's the thing you know this was a brand new food plot mm-hmm. i'd had it in a food plot before and then it laid idle for six seven years yeah you know, and so we had to work everything up and start fresh, and and it was mowed regularly and yeah. hayed, so it was pretty much all grass at this point. Right, but there was weed perennial seeds. grass. There was weed seeds like yeah. laying yeah. dormant, you know. Right. And so since we worked it up, we stirred all that up. Mm-hmm. We knew what was, yeah. we knew what to expect. Right. And what we've got now is exactly what I pretty expected. much what we expected. Well, I th- yeah. What I like about that is just what you're talking about. It it's a it would be like me starting a plot. And if you pay attention to your blog and you know on Fry Property or whatever, you, that's what you got listed as. Yeah, I think it's under it's under Fry Property blog on our YouTube channel. And like I said, I have another video okay. up on that. So. so if you're keeping up with it, or if you're just curious about it, you can go back and go step look step by step. And I think what would be interesting for me, or maybe guys like me, I don't have five thousand dollars to put in a food plot mm-hmm. no right. we don't either <laughs> well that's what that's what i like about this plot this is a plot that anybody can do yep. with not a lot of money now it does take effort mm-hmm. but it doesn't take a lot of money so for me i'd be interested along with all your pictures and your timelines and all that stuff how much money do we have in this what did this cost what did that cost 
Mm-hmm. Well, what does it cost? Okay, we got this much time on the tractor, whether you have a tractor or whether you have to rent one or whether you, uh, you know, if you don't, whatever you want to do that way, you know, maybe pay somebody to come out and do it for you. Here's what the here's what it is. And so everybody kind of knows we're not spending big dollars. And, and be honest with you, you don't have a pretty nice little food pot. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but you've taken care of it. You're doing what you're supposed to do. The biggest up, expense. up until the point that we sprayed it. Now I don't know what the chemical costs. You know that's mm-hmm. that's your deal. But up until the point that we sprayed it between gasoline, big and a little bit of diesel with Canyon's tractor. I got gas tractor. Mm-hmm. But between that and the seed and the lime that we put down, and we got what two hundred thirty dollars in a right. three acre plot. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I was going to say. The biggest expense for someone who's not in our situation where we can get like i can get pretty good deals on seed you know if you're paying actual retail cost it's going to be more for the seed but over the whole thing that's going to be your biggest expense is the seed and not everybody has access to corn or bean seed like what we've got or what i've had you know so that didn't cost us much Uh, but no more than we planted that still wouldn't be that bad Mm -hmm. but that's going to be the biggest expense the chemical and the seed yeah uh and like I said, I don't know what the chemical cost us that we put down. You know that. I don't. Yeah, I'll have to do some figuring. I know for a, I think it's a gallon of cleth right now is like 90 bucks. Right. But, of course, last year it was $40 yeah. for a gallon yeah, thanks, of Yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the the Roundup now. Oh, now he ain't doing nothing. Yeah, right. Well, that's, <laughs> well, that's sure. a fact, yeah. <laughs> the Roundup now is like $115 for two and a half gallon where it was 35 So you're going to have that expense, but you're not using two and a half gallon on three-acre food pot either. No. I mean, no. Yeah, but I mean, you talk about, say John Q. Bowhunter is going to have 200 to 300 bucks an acre. Generally, yeah, 200 300 dollars an cheap. acre for a food well, pot. Th- well, I mean, but I mean, that's, that's what we would have in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you can, and I was looking at the corn. Our corn versus, we planted our corn the same time the neighbor planted his corn. The neighbor is planting his corn for crop. Mm-hmm. He's wanting the most bushels he can get out of that, you know, because mm-hmm. that's how he makes his living. We're planting our corn just for wildlife and screening. Mm-hmm. So he put uh, liquid nitrogen mm-hmm. and all that on his. We didn't. His corn is greener. You know, a darker color green, which, sure. which means it's healthier. And, it, and and it's maybe six inches taller than ours. Mm-hmm. You know, but like I said. You you're know, not trying to grow 200 bushels yeah, of corn. Yeah, as people, you know, people see that and they're like, well, the corn looks like shit. No, you know, I'm, <laughs> it's doing fine. Mm-hmm. It's doing what I'm doing, wanting it to do. Yeah. You know, it's like comparing apples to oranges. You know, I'm not trying to raise a 200 bushel crop so I can get money off of it. Right. I'm just raising corn where I can grow up, screen the deer off the road, right. and then give them a little bit of extra energy in the wintertime because we're not mm-hmm. going to harvest it. It's going right. to stand all winter long till it falls down on its own or we bush hog it down next spring. Yeah. Which, was, then, which was my point is you, you could spend $5,000 on that three-acre food plot and you could have that corn just like your neighbor has or better. Yeah. But that's but if you don't have $5,000, you don't have to have to have a decent food plot. No. You don't have to have to have a really nice food plot, which is what I think that'll turn out to be. Yeah. Given you know, given given we keep giving it the attention it needs. Yeah. You know, and the main thing with like the corn, like what what we did, we killed the grass and you know, we let the corn come up with the grass and the weeds and then after it got so tall, 
you know, where everything, all the extra stuff had come up that was going to come up. And we sprayed it around up, killed that shit out. The corn has no competition now. It's just mm-hmm. on its own, you know, competing with the next stalk next to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's going to do all right. And like I said, we're not trying to grow 200 bush corn. And, that, you know, the other The couple- deer don't care if it's 50 bush of corn or 300 bush of corn. I think another interesting thing will be on the beans. Yep. And, as, and our goal is not to raise 80 bushel beans, mm-hmm. you know. Which we're going to have some pretty good beans. And them beans are, ooh. Yeah. If I can keep rabbits out of them, and Marley can keep the rabbits out of them, yeah. they're growing like wildfire. Right. Boy. Be in a, can you see the difference in the beans yet between one variety and no, another? I couldn't. No. They're, they're both the same. Because we, <clears throat> we planted some uh, regular soybeans, and then what was their... Uh, what was and they their, were just plot beans, too. I mean, they weren't anything special. They were Roundup ready, but... And then uh, the other side is well in the other box we had the real world wildlife beans right yeah and they both look the same right now they're still looking the same now their big claim to them being better the biggest claim is they're supposed to have a little bit of regenerative some kind of regenerative gene so if they're young and they get eaten they're supposed to kind of keep growing and put beans on still that won't be as good as if they hadn't been chewed on but and the other thing is they're supposed to be shatter resistant and that way when it's we're not going to combine them so we really don't give a shit well it's still going to have they're they're what they're saying is it'll still have beans in the pod longer than the ag beans will so if right. you leave it out there late winter but the the deer will still eat the beans off the ground well right but the thing here too is by the time the end of the season rolls around the last few years if you look out in the ag beans next to the woods and stuff where the guys have planted up close but not got the combine this close to harvest it there's still beans in the pods by yeah. january yeah. you know most time it doesn't get cold enough for long enough until february right for that to happen anyway so but we'll see it'll be interesting to see side by side which ones are better yeah yeah or if there is a difference at all yeah you know well right now i mean i just where the rabbits have <clears throat> they're along the pine trees has come out and they you know a couple feet mm-hmm. away from the pine trees on every row mm-hmm. you know both sets of beans, whether it's the specialty beans or the regular beans, they're all rejuvenating and putting on new growth. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really affecting them that much as far as that goes. Right. But, and that's another thing too, you know, we ain't discouraged about the rabbits. You know, this is a hell wild, no. this is a wildlife <laughs> plot. Yeah. You know, hell, I might have to eat some rabbit this winter. Well, you might. <laughs> the way grocery yeah. prices are going. I'm not above it, you know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But and that's the benefit thing you see from the food plots is not just deer, but we're there's a lot of you know, benefit. yeah. And the rabbits are using that barricade a lot too. I mm-hmm. uh, just this evening after I got done mowing, I seen rabbits running out of the woods and going straight to that barricade grass. You know, the thing I'll be interested to see in that is we went in and planted, I've done it on a different property where I planted switchgrass beside the barricade. Or I might have used white tailing students conceal, but same idea. Annual grass next to a switchgrass perennial. Mm-hmm. But in yours, you just mixed them together and we broadcast them, together. them all together. Yep. So I'll be interested to see what the switchgrass looks like this coming spring after the annual stuff has died mm-hmm. and how much growth we'll have in there. And if that's a you know, if that's a good way to do it, that's something to look at because the switchgrass isn't gonna be in general, if you're planting it the first year, is not gonna be tall enough that fall to provide the screening you want right or the annual grass will be so if we can 
if we're successful in mixing those two together, you know, that'd be a really good way to think about giving yourself screening for the immediate fall mm-hmm. and then less costly to have your, just keep your switchgrass mode mm-hmm. and then have that for the next however many years. Yep. So I'll be interested to see what that does too. Yeah, I am too. I'm, and like I said, we'll document all that stuff. I'm really excited about it because like mm-hmm. I said, you right now you cannot tell the difference between switchgrass and the barricade because it's all even and it's growing like mm-hmm. wildfire. Yeah. So yeah. actually, it'd be a good thing if we get another inch of rain this mm-hmm. week, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like for it. it. Right. High pressure set in, and it's going to be hot and dry. And mm-hmm. It'll be good for killing that grass, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, that grass is, it's gave up. Yeah. You know, we got some uh, broadleafs we're going to have to deal with, but like I said, I think here in about two weeks, and put the tractor and mower up, go out there and chop the tops off them ragweeds and button weeds and it'll be it'll be all right mm-hmm. that's pretty much everything i wanted to talk about tonight and then a little bit of extra stuff too now we do have part of it that we're going to put in the uh forage oats this fall mm-hmm. yeah and we went ahead and sprayed that we as well. We sprayed that as well. Yeah. Except for your light bar, your GPS was off. <laughs> <laughs> what my GPS was running out of spray. I think we might have skipped a few spots. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, you know, we, we can't t- all be full time farmers. We can take care of that, you know. But uh, hell, we'll, we're going to start thinking about getting that worked up and start planting that here in about two months. Yeah. August, yep. September timeframe. So, yep. yep. But that's, you know, Pretty much going to do it for this episode. Like I said, going to try to get back to being more consistent on them, but we'll see how it all works out with work and ball games right now. I'm trying to coach a baseball team, and that's all going to be done by the middle of July. So doing, hopefully, doing hay, that yeah, stuff's getting. Yeah, hopefully by the in the way middle of next month or so, we'll at least we'll be back to doing one every week. But we're going to try to do it this way anyway. So too hot to fish. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, it's too cold at home. <laughs> <laughs> like I mentioned there was a song earlier about that, wasn't it? I, thought, uh, <laughs> I think possibly. If you want to get your discount on your Racks Big Game supplements, they're a veteran-owned company out of Northeast Nebraska. Man, take care of that problem. They're a veteran-owned company out of Northeast Nebraska. Uh, they're deer hunters just like you and me who are looking to get more out of their minerals and feed than the existing market offered. They've developed Racks products through years of research and came up with one of the best mixes available that will improve your herd's overall health while not feeding non-target species like raccoons, like Jeff kind of mentioned earlier. They've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. You can use discount code RHO22 at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order at RacksMineral.com. And we also do have a little bit of their stuff available in the store, so if you want to check, stop by and check that out, Feel free, and then you can also order from us. You can save some on shipping. The other podcast sponsor is Grandpa Ray Outdoors. They specialize in providing the best nutrition for the white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They offer a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. Grandpa Ray Outdoors was started in 2015, but John, the main guy there, has been in the seed and nutrition business since 1991. With over 14 different food plot blends to choose from, you won't have any trouble finding what you're looking for. They have fall and spring blends, corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits, you name it, they've got it. They aren't just about selling their products, though. They'll answer any questions you have about what blends would be the best on your specific property. That way you can achieve the best results possible. Like us, John and the team don't believe in a cookie-cutter approach to wildlife nutrition. They'll treat you and your situation individually. 
They aren't about a fancy label or package. They're about good quality seed and taking care of their clients. We've used their seed blends on client properties in the past, and the results have been as good as advertised. We've also got some of their uh, switchgrass out on Jeff's property, and we'll probably use uh, some of their fall stuff on his as well, and in a couple other places this fall. So everything we've used in the past and used to this point has, like I said, been as good as advertised. So that's why we're going to continue to use their seed, and we've partnered with them on the podcast. You can go check them out at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use discount code capital R-H-O space capital P podcast to get 10% off your order. Again, we do have a little bit of their stuff in stock in the store, and you can stop by and order anything that we don't have and save some money on shipping. So that's pretty much going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll try to get another one out next Friday, but you can follow our Facebook page, uh, Red Hunter Outdoors, for any updates on that. Anytime a podcast comes out, we'll post it there. And then you can also follow us on Instagram, at OD. Those are the two places we're the most active. So if you want to keep up with what we're doing, what we got going on, anything in the store, anything we're doing on client properties, what we're doing at Jeff's, go check those out, as well as our YouTube channel, which is Ridge Hunter Outdoors as well. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the next one.